0: My name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church, and we're in our second week of this series called "Getting Right with God and Money." And as I was prepping, I saw this story about a uh, there, there's an inscription in a museum in Deadwood, South Dakota, that was left behind by a prospector in the past century. And the prospector wrote this. He says, "I lost my gun. I lost my horse." I'm out of food, the Indians are after me, but I have all the gold I can carry. <laughs> and so I thought, well, that puts, that puts money into a certain perspective, doesn't it? And that's what we're trying to do in this series. We want to get God's perspective on money, finances, and because it's such a big part of our lives, right? And so we want to get God's perspective on it. We saw last week at the beginning, we start by getting the right mindset, on money, And today, we're going to move on to something that affects every single one of us. It's a huge issue in American society. We're going to talk about debt and how to, how to attack and tackle our debt. Now, I have a couple of rental properties, and so I see lots of people's credit reports. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it's amazing how much debt there is and how much default of debt there is out there in the world. And so I, I, I'm going to look at my phone because I have some statistics here. I want to get the numbers right. Total household debt in the United States in the year 2021 is over $14 trillion. Okay, I don't even know how many zeros that is, more than I can count. $14 trillion. Of course, a big chunk of that is mortgage debt. A lot of that is automobile loans and student loans. And then another big piece of that, of course, is credit card debt. And so I was looking at that, and a credit card debt in America, they say, is about $810 billion. The average American adult has has six credit cards, and six out of ten of them are not paid off every month. And so, you, you know, you Got a group like us, it's six out of 10 of us is saying are carrying a balance month after month after paying all that interest and, and so on, month after month, we're just, we're just in debt. And I saw that Utah is number eight out of the 50 states in bankruptcy. So we're pulling our weight, right? We're doing our part in the, in the American dream, all right? So where does all this debt come from? Thought about that? Well, I think on a societal level, partly it comes from the the fact of um, easy credit. It's really easy to get credit. But on an individual, on a personal level, there's another factor involved. That There's something within us that drives it. The Bible calls it greed. And so when you take that societal thing and that personal thing, the credit and the greed, and you put them together, then it's not surprising that we have mountains and mountains and mountains of debt. To work within our lives, and so we're going to talk about that that greed thing later on. Come back to that in a minute, because if we want to look at it from a biblical perspective, then we have to look at the inner and not just the outer. We want to look at some practical things. We also want to look at some some deeper uh, individual things as well as we go forward on this. So what, what I want to do next, though, first is I want to kind of get a, a basic, fundamental idea of where we start on this question. And here's where we start: is that debt is a shortcut to the lifestyle you think you want, but in the end it always leads to bondage, not freedom. We all have in our mind this lifestyle that we think we want, right? It's the the thing that we think is like, oh, if only I had, you know, and you fill in the blank, right? The problem is is that much of that for us is defined not really by God's values and God's priorities, but a lot of it is defined by the culture around us, and we're not even that aware of it. And so I was thinking about how to get a handle on this, and I realized, okay, I have a relative who passed away recently, a month or so ago, and I'm in the will. And, to be, and at, one time, at one point in time, he had a lot of money, but now after living for 16 years in a skilled nursing facility, nobody knows how much is left, but I have to admit to you, I've often thought about... Well, I wonder how much it is, and what will I do with it if I get some, you know? And, and so that, I thought, have you, ever, have you ever thought about, like, what if I like hit the jackpot? What if I got the winning lottery ticket? What if I inherited a windfall? What would I do with it? And I think that gets at that question of what is the life that we think we want. That gets at what our real values are. So how many of us are going to go, like, oh, I'm going to give all that money to the poor? Well, maybe theoretically, right? Or how many of us are going, I'm going to set up all these missionaries I know. But when I think about it, my first thought isn't that. My first thought is thats is that carbon fiber mountain bike that, you know, I'd love to own, right? Or, or you think maybe of that truck with all the bells and whistles, you know, you could live in it, right? You think of that, uh, maybe that vacation, that European vacation you've thought about, or that maybe you could put some money down on that cabin in the woods and all those nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves but that exercise shows us a little bit about you know what drives our motives when it comes to money, and our, is our thoughts shaped really by God's priorities and God's values more than by what the culture and the world around us is talking about? Well, the thing is, is that most of us aren't going to have that windfall and get that giant inheritance or whatever, and so we still want the things we want, and so what we do is we take on debt to go get those things, to have that kind of lifestyle. And then one day you wake up and you go, oh, my gosh, I'm just crushed with this weight of debt that I accumulated slowly over time. And now I look and look around and say, man, I, I've just, I'm, I'm rocked by that. Well, well, the Bible talks about debt. And here's the most fundamental thing. It says in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, full of Practical wisdom, it says the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Have you ever felt enslaved to your debt? You felt enslaved like you're in bondage to those bills that you're juggling every month to try to make, figure out, like I have to... put this one off to pay this one, or I have, to, I have to borrow more money to pay off the money I borrowed before. And so it, it's like a bondage, isn't it? it? You begin to feel enslaved. Now, now our society tells us that debt means that we can have more. But from God's perspective, the other side of the story is that debt actually limits our freedom and puts us into slavery. I mean, think about, think about all the student debt. You have young people coming out of college and they 're burdened with this debt. this is man they, they can 't maybe go take the job that they wanted to take they wanted to take a, a job somewhere or live at some place that they wanted to live or start a family that they wanted to start because they 've got these mountains of debt that have put them into slavery or look at the other end of the life cycle that how many people do you know should be getting ready to retire but they don 't see the retirement. Uh, finish line anywhere near even though they're that age because they have so much consumer debt they just have they're forced to keep on working and so you see that debt actually enslaves us when we let it and so I mean after all think about this right why are the credit card companies passing out credit like candy right they're not dumb so I was I was I said I'm gonna keep track of this and so this week uh, I, was, I was looking at the mail and everything this week. Sally and I, we got five different credit card uh, invitations, solicitations this week between us. And, um, you know, that's pretty typical. I mean, they're just like passing them out. And why? Because they know that if they can hook you in, that they're going to have some control over your life. You're going to keep paying them. You're going to be enslaved to them for maybe years of your life. So... We feel like, you know, debt promises, it promises some things. It promises that you could have satisfaction and 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 meaning and significance because you can have the stuff that money can buy. It it, it advertises as a, a ticket to fulfillment and happiness, but I I think you know as well as I do so many people who debt has ruined relationships, it has broken up marriages, it has hurt families. I was reading the other day that that financial issues are the number one a cause of strife and tension in a marriage relationship leading to divorce. That's debt. Debt leads to what? Stress, fear, anxiety. Well, the society tells us, you know, debt is going to help you. It's going to make your life better. It's conditioned us to think that, but God wants us to understand. He wants us to really be free. He wants to, to thrive and live a life that's really satisfying and meaningful. And debt that gets in the way of that. It makes us slaves. And so with that in mind, let's talk about some a practical response to that. We're going to look at some things that, to think about that, that can help us to attack our debt. Attacking our debt is going to require a new skill, telling ourselves no. If we sacrifice now, we'll benefit later. Now, look, we live in a society where everywhere you look, there's so much abundance. Everywhere around us, people have stuff. You you don't see people around us saying no. And so it's hard to be the one to say no to stuff that other people have. We live in this this microwave culture, right, this culture of fast food, instant results, instant gratification. So it's hard to say, I'm going to sacrifice now to benefit later. That's a challenge for us. But that's what it takes. Here's a quote from an an expert on finances. I I thought this was really helpful. Dave Ramsey says, It is human nature to want it and want it now. It's also a sign of immaturity. Being willing to delay pleasure for a greater result is a sign of maturity. Nobody wants to be told that they're immature, right? But it's hard to argue with this this premise up here. After all, this is what we tell our kids, isn't it? We tell our kids, you know, you got to do your homework first. Do your chores first before you have the screen time or go play your game or whatever it is. We know that, that this is intrinsically true, but we have a hard time applying it to ourselves, right? And so this is a new skill for many of us to learn. And becoming more mature in our spending decisions and in our relationship with money, that doesn't happen overnight, It's something that you start with a simple thing and you work on it. And you know what? It's going to hurt. There's some pain there because you have to cut yourself off. Right? We have to learn to say no to ourselves and what we're used to just getting what we want a lot of times. So so there's some pain that's going to be involved in this. But, you know, let me tell you, it's going to be worth it in the long run, not only because you're going to become a better version of you, but also because you're going to experience increasing freedom from the slavery of debt in your financial life. So let's talk about a couple practical things. Number one is we have to admit we have a problem. And we saw at the very beginning, I just hinted on this, that there's an underlying problem for, for most of us for debt. It's driven by this underlying spiritual problem of greed. Now, I realize that not every debt is is driven by greed because sometimes maybe you got laid off during a global pandemic. That can happen, right? And then, Or sometimes maybe you had a big hospital bill from an accident or an illness that was out of your control. But for most Americans, most of us today, our debt is driven by our greed. And so Jesus talks about that in Luke chapter 12. Jesus says, beware, guard against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. Now, I want to start by defining greed, because I don't know when, when you hear that word, I don't know what you think of, or, or the person, the, what is the name or the image that comes to mind? It's probably not you, right? But, but greed, to give you a simple definition of that, greed is the desire to acquire. You got that? The desire to acquire. See, we want more. We want to acquire more money. We want to acquire more stuff that money can buy. We want to acquire more of the experiences that money can buy. Because we look around and we see what everybody else has. Or we say, man, I just can't, I can't defer my desires till later. Or we think, man, I'm, I, I deserve, I deserve to have that. Or I deserve to have that better thing or that more thing, you know? But here's the thing about greed. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can have zero money, zero resources, and still have this desire to acquire. It can drive you. It can go, man, this is what I want. Or you can have a ton of money <clears throat> and be content or the, or vice versa. And so what happens when we have this d- desire to acquire, Jesus says here, he says beware that Guard against that. In other words, he said, don't just go with the flow. Don't just go along. Be, be attentive to this issue in your heart. And, and think about it. Don't just be swept along by your desires. But you got to be careful and thoughtful about this. Here's the problem in our culture. It's so common, affluence and materialism is so common in our culture that we don't even see greed when it happens. We're just so inured to it. We just don't even recognize it when it happens. So most of us would say, well, I'm not greedy. I'm not that guy, you know, up on the hill or whatever. Or or most of us would say, what's wrong with having more stuff? I just thought it was really interesting in our culture that looking for ways to spend more money is like a form of entertainment. Do you realize that? Like, oh, I'm bored. Well, let's go cruise the mall. Or let's go to the home show. Let's go to the outdoor show. So, we can like drool over stuff that we don't really need and we can't afford. And that's entertainment, right? Let's just go look at houses, right? And so, it's become fun for us to stimulate our desire to acquire. But Jesus says, No, you gotta be careful about that. He says, Look, don't let your life be measured by how much you own. Man, if your significance, your worth, your sense of worth as a person, how satisfied you are with life, how you feel about yourself, how you look at the lives of other people compared to yours, if all of that is a function of how much you have acquired in your life, then Jesus says, man, you need to do a serious reconsideration. So see, we don't want to look, we, we want to look in the mirror of Scripture, not in the mirror of our culture, because our culture is going to tell us that, that, that debt is okay, that greed is okay, but God wants us to experience something better than that, something healthier than that, and it's nothing, nothing's going to ever change in our relationship with debt until we first come to grips with this underlying heart spiritual issue. okay. Well, that leads to the second one. Uh, very closely on the heels of that, we have to confess our mess. This is one step beyond a recognition of the greed. is confess the mess that we're in and take it to God and say, God, you know what? I'm just going to be completely transparent before you. I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to say, this is it. I've blown it. I need your help. And that's true for any sin in our life, right? And so First John chapter 1, it says, <clears throat> When we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now, I'm not saying that every debt is necessarily sin. Because again, there's things that happen that are out of your control. I have really mixed feelings about mortgage debt because 99% of Americans are never going to own a home unless they get some help from a lending institution. But for the majority of debt, we have to think, man, what drives that? Is it sin? Well, it is if it's driven by that desire to acquire. It is if... I make those financial decisions without stopping to think about what God wants in my life. Do I ever consult him as my financial advisor first before I pull out the charge card? It can be sin if my spending leads me to not be obedient to what God is asking me to do with my money in my life or if it stops me from being generous with the resources that God has given to me. And so this is where I come to God and I say, God, I just I recognize I need your help. I need you to do something. I need more than I can do. I need you to transform me from the inside out. And then the third thing is we have to start making different choices. This is where the rubber meets the road because we can talk all day long about debt and its problem. We can want to be free from debt, but until we start to choose differently, then nothing's going to happen. So, Will Rogers once said, he said, the quickest way to double your money is to fold it in half and put it back in your pocket. I like the story about the guy who said, he said, my credit card was stolen, but I didn't report it to the police because the thief spends less than I do. (laughs) So, you know... I mentioned I have a couple of rental places, and so when Sally and I got married seven years ago, I was living in one place, she was living in another. So we we decided that being married, we should live together, and so we did. So I I, so I kept my place as a rental. The very first couple that I rented to, young couple struggling, I was compassionate on them. I gave them a, a break on the rent. I, w- I went went in there one day. I saw this guy, the young young dude. He has like forty pairs of of Nike Jordans in a, in a room. And like he's a collector or something like that. You know, he's uh, spent a lot of money on that. I thought, well, that's interesting, you know. And I've given them a break on the rent. Aren't I nice, you know. And then they stiffed me for about 1000 at the end of the lease. They just booked. I'm thinking about this guy. I think, you know, that's a guy, hopefully in the years since then, he's learned to make different choices with his money because he could afford shoes. I mean, I only got two feet, but he couldn't afford to pay the rent. And so here's another quote that I, that I want to share with you from Dave Ramsey. He says, where, are you, where you are today is the sum of every choice you've ever made. If you don't like where you are, start making different choices. Okay, that's pretty basic, right? But there's something in our heart. We recognize the truth of this. We recognize that if we keep going down the same path, we're going to keep being in the same place but here's the challenge for us. There's something in our heart. There's a warfare going on within where part of us says, Yes, I want to be financially free. I want to be able to be more generous. I want to follow God's purposes in my life. There's other part within us that says, No, I want that thing. I want that new one. I want that better. So there's a warfare. And Galatians chapter 5 talks about that how when we follow the sinful nature, it's going to be the, the desires that come from within are going to rule even if they're not good for us. But the very next next verse in Galatians 5, verse 22, it says, but this is what the Holy Spirit produces. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So where do you get the patience to be able to sacrifice now in order to have a benefit later? Where do you get the self-control to be able to say no, to learn the skill of saying no and to make different choices? You get it from God. It doesn't come from within. And so this is why it's encouraging every follower of Christ, we can be changed in this area. We can overcome greed and debt when we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, cultivating our relationship with Him, listening to His voice, following His lead. We have all the capacity to be free. So what, what choices are, are you going to make differently this week? Maybe it's a choice to stop browsing those sites that cultivate your desire to acquire. I'm just not going to go there. I'm just not going to browse that site. Or maybe it's a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to sit down with my spouse, and we're going to make a a decision together that there's a certain cap of spending that neither one of us will spend more than without talking and collaborating with each other. Kind of cut it down a little bit. Or maybe it's a decision to say, I'm not going to make any impulse buy this whole week. And if I want it, I'm going to wait a week before I buy it and see what happens. Or maybe it's a, a decision. Well, here's one that I, I totally uh, recommend to you. At Riverdale campus, in two weeks, th- we're doing a budget workshop. That's just right up the street, pretty, pretty quick to get there. And so this maybe there's a choice this week. Say, so I'm going to go online at alpinechurch.org and look at Riverdale and, and sign up for a budgeting worksheet that will help me, that would help me to make a whole lot of different choices along the way that might set me free. So what I want to do with you, uh, for you right now, is I want to share with you a, a quick video that tells the story of, of one family and the different choices that they made that helped them to get out of the bondage of debt. Let's take a look. So again, you know, money is such a huge part of life, and it affects us in so many ways that it, it just really makes sense. I just really, really believe strongly that we want to do everything we can to attack that debt, to not get in debt, to get out of debt as well. Now let me, let me close by just putting this into the bigger picture. There's something else going on here. And what I want you to understand is that our debt isn't just financial but spiritual And Jesus paid for our spiritual debt by sacrificing his own life. And so if you think of how devastating financial debt can be, well, spiritual debt is even more so because it has eternal consequences. And often what I'm talking about is how often the Bible uses the word picture of debt to talk about our sin relationship with God. That every time we sin, every time we go our own way instead of God's way, that that adds to like a debt that we owe to God that there's no way in the world that we can pay. And so that's a, that's a pretty telling picture, a pretty strong word picture of our spiritual condition before God and the, and the slavery and the bondage that, that sin puts us in, similar to what debt will do in our lives. So in that light, I want you to think about the very last things that Jesus said when he died on the cross for us. The very last, his last dying words in John chapter 19, Jesus knew his mission was finished. To fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. They soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That phrase, it is finished, Greek, the Greek word is telesti. You don't really need to know that, but I bring that up because this is the, interestingly, in the commercial world, that, that's the same word, to telesty that was written at the bottom of a debt when it was paid. And so if you owed me some money, we had a contract that said you owed me whatever it was, and when you paid off the debt, I would get that contract out, and I, that bill, and I would write across the bottom, to telesty. it is... Finished, and that was your receipt that verifies that the debt has been completely and perfectly paid off. So, what this is saying here is that Jesus on the cross declared that through his sacrifice, our debt of sin is paid in full with nothing else. Remaining, And so that's why you see in Colossians 2, it says that Jesus forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He'd taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That charge of legal indebtedness, Jesus took it away. And that, that payment is applied to your account when you trust in him. When you receive it from him, when you recognize your need to say, yes, I'm in debt before God, yes, I have sinned before God, and you humbly call out to Jesus, and you look to him, to him alone, to make the payment that you receive by faith what he's done for you, you personally and individually trust in him. That becomes yours. Will Will you receive that today? Because when you receive Jesus' payment, when you entrust your life and your eternity to him, your sin is forgiven. He starts something new in you. You become a new creation. You begin a new life. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you, and he begins to transform you from the inside out. Amen. He begins to change you from the inside out. Will you put your trust in Jesus today? I encourage you to come and talk to one of our leaders here uh, before you leave today to make sure that you know that your debt before God has been paid. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mercy and your goodness to us. We ask God that, that you'd help us to overcome the bondage, um, the slavery of debt, that you'd change our heart from within so that we become content rather than greedy. We ask you to do a work. Help us to make these new choices by your Spirit's power within us as we belong to you. What's that choice? Father, lead us to the one choice that each one of us is going to take this week to begin this new way of life. And we ask it in Jesus' name for his honor and glory. Amen.